Hello and welcome to the Yoga Life podcast. That is officially my new intro because I'm a bit worried about copyright things. And uh, I've done everything above board, but, uh, you know, if you can make your own music, why not? If you can call that music. My name is Kevin. This is episode 111, I believe. Uh, today I have with me Jamie White. Jamie White is a holistic business coach that has built and sold numerous businesses. He's turned millions in revenue and has partnered with some of the business biggest business brands in the world. <laughs> Jamie won Ireland's best young entrepreneur for two consecutive years and he was listed as Ireland's top 30 under 30 in business by the Irish Independent. He is the founder of the Start Summit, Fresh Resolutions and the creator and host of the University of Life podcast, which I was a guest on recently. Jamie is passionate about human behavior and has discovered that it's fractional changes that contribute to either success or failure. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Jamie. Before we speak to Jay, this podcast is brought to you by my online platform. If you'd like to do yoga with me online and also like to enjoy some audio meditations, simply go to kevinboyyoga.ie forward slash membership and you can get a free week's trial. If you don't like it after a week, money back well you haven't even paid it you haven't paid a cent so um uh, sign up for that if it sounds interesting exciting for you without further ado here is my host the man himself the holistic business coach jamie white you excited yeah i am wow this is just sort of such a cool setup even the <laughs> light bulb is cool <laughs> it's, all, it's all pretty all quite carefully thought out yeah because i think I'll, i think i'll do this podcasting thing forever i actually was went down a rabbit hole one day of researching companies that has started or little businesses that have started their own podcast and how you know it's really helped them in the most like niche in fact the more niche your podcast the better absolutely because often if you do something that's quite niche it's not going to be popular for mainstream tv and therefore there's an audience not being served mm -hmm. but if you can start a podcast you can like it could be there's actually a podcast called the gilmore boys and rach loves the gilmore girls have you ever seen that no no i've never seen either but it's like rach was watching it over and over again and the gilmore boys is two lads talking about the gilmore girls that's their podcast and it's like one of the most popular podcasts in in the states yeah so that's that's everything for me i've been studying a, a lot about online marketing what's working what's what's not and to be honest, this is one of the more obvious parts of it. But <clears throat> the more niche you can go with whatever it is you're doing, the more you can connect and talk with your exact target market and cut out all the fluff or all the wastage. Um, so the, the real game changer now with regards to cutting through and getting straight to your target market is getting so, so, so niche and specific. Mm. So like, say in your world, I've seen some yogis specifically doing yoga for diabetics and yoga for specific types of diabetics mm. and they're booming and their rates are going through the roof why because they're the yogi specific for people with that ailment fantastic but you as, as someone who is um a business coach do you how do you uh, navigate that when you're talking to someone who is not sure whether they want to generalize or specialize um 
So I think it's all part of someone's life cycle. Um, I think at the start, you have to be quite general. You have to trial, you have to experiment, you have to figure out who you are. And, you know, yourself, we all learn through experience. So hence, we have to throw ourselves into all sorts to actually figure out what it is that we connect with. And then when we find something that we connect with, um, the niching down is all part of the journey. Uh, So you will, let's say, for example, say, say I, I'm trying to make this specific to yoga <clears throat> but I, my, my knowledge isn't d- deep enough um, but let's say a given field you'll say do you know what this is the space that I want to get into um, so you'll stop uh, distracting yourself with all the other varying fields and you'll focus in on that but you'll start saying well c- who can I learn from at the top level of this who can I serve essentially a kind of an apprenticeship mm. um, and the more you follow that person the more you niche down as you find the areas that you're connected with and mm. the areas that you're not and then comes a certain time where you stop following others and you start tuning into yourself and connecting in with yourself and start innovating and refining yourself mm. um so I, I think essentially it's a it's like a, a journey that we go on. The early years, it's really, really important that we're not niched down mm. um, because we have to find our authentic, true calling. But when we do, then we need to learn from those that have gone before us with the most experience um, to the point that we essentially are self-creating and self-innovating. And then that's the time to really go out on your own. But at that stage, one should be very niched down. Yeah. But I think there comes a level of patience as well sometimes you want to be instantly good at something and to be instantly seen as someone who has value and um it, to talk go through that life cycle you just explained there it takes a lot of um trust to know that that's going to happen but how how does that because i don't think it can happen organically i, I hear people saying things like in the men, in the yoga world it's quite popular to say i manifested this into my life like, what does that mean? Oh, you know, I just want it to happen and it happened. And I think this comes from the book, The Secret, where it talks about how um, essentially if you want something bad enough, it will come into your life. But I don't think that's true. I think that you obviously have to work for it, but you have to be conscious of your own uh, thought patterns and what you're, what what's holding you back. So my question is, Jay, what uh, what do people have to do to go through that process because I assume it's not a passive one relax is a big part of it (laughs) (laughs) for me I'm a big believer that slow and steady wins the race Um, and uh, and I think probably one of the big ailments right now is that so many people are trying to force their success Um, I had a social media agency at one point and I remember when clients would come in and say look we you know we want to we want to do something we want to do it now Uh, they'd essentially force the market and in advertising Uh, in the advertising world they just have to buy up everything so it costs them a hell of a lot and there's a lot of mistakes worked into that Um, so those clients generally speaking didn't do too well but the clients that recognize that look we've got to trial and experiment to see what works and we've got to trial and experiment what works in terms of our ads and over a period of months or even sometimes in case a year or so um, once they discover what works then they can start doubling down on that and doubling down on that and generally speaking those are the clients that did really really well um, (coughs) And actually, they did things on a much more efficient, uh, cost-free basis. So for anybody, I suppose, following their journey, I think, as I said, the most important thing is that they relax. Uh, they realize that, unfortunately, there are there is a journey that you have to go through. There are lessons that you have to learn that you can't force. Um, it's kind of like the thing if you're climbing a mountain. 
And if you climb that mountain from the very bottom to the top, if you fall at a certain stage, that's okay because you've walked that far. Um, you can retrace your steps and very quickly you'll be back where you fell from and you'll be moving forward again. Whereas if you get a helicopter ride to the very, very top and you fall, God bless you, you'll fall right the way down and you won't know, uh, you won't have any tr steps to retrace. Um, and I think our careers are a lot like that. I think a lot of the time people are trying to force their careers and they start hitting all these all these uh, harsh, hard lessons. Whereas in actual fact, if they relax down, recognise that it's a it's a it's a long journey um and they appreciate that you know some some lessons they have to they have to learn uh they can't just read it read in a book but ultimately speaking it'll 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 serve them because if any kind of shakes happen say for the likes of what we're in right now with covid and um, they'll have a bit of experience behind them they'll have a path beaten out um and they'll get back on their feet all the quicker so it'll really stand to them but then if someone asks you how do i progress i know you're saying relax and that makes complete sense but do you do you go through certain exercises with them in terms of say um like goal setting or vision like visualization this, this type of thing interesting do you know what i've taken a huge amount with regards to business coaching our, our business as a whole uh, from yoga because uh, yoga is essentially the art of connecting in with oneself and you know the the first mm -hmm. kind of stages as you get new new clients in your class um ah, they kind of have to shake off what they think yoga is meant to be for me for example like when i started doing yoga i thought it was glorified stretching and i was like <laughs> this is brilliant i'm going to get into your class i'm going to stretch out i'm going to feel amazing and obviously as i got a couple of classes in i realized there was a lot more to it i think a lot of people when it comes to um, when it comes to looking at their careers, uh, they have a lot of ideas of what they want their career to be. And oftentimes it's very financially orientated. A lot of people will follow money um, instead of their hearts. Uh, and that's fine. That's all par part of the journey. But I think when you're, only, when you're following a, a, some sort of a stimulation, some sort of a, oh, that's good, I'll go there. That's great, I'll go there. And you're hopping from one thing to the next. Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes what that will do in the long run is to actually distract you from what you're really, really good at. Um, and so uh, a mm. kind of a real first process, I, I think, for anybody looking to refine their careers is to slow down. Um, and again, COVID has been a great gift, I think, for a lot of people in terms of slow down. Mm. And um, it's taking a bit of time to think into what you're really enjoying, um, where you're really shining. Uh, and on the opposite of that, uh, perhaps where you're not, uh, what are the difficult parts? What are the draining parts? Um, and it's really, it's, it's drawing those areas out and examining them. What are the areas that you're not enjoying and perhaps why? And what are the areas that you are enjoying and why? Um, and I think in that slowing down, it's coming to terms with, uh, with what that looks like. Um, and for me, I think the sad thing is that for a lot of people, they find themselves in a career path whereby the more they follow that career, essentially the more it disconnects them. Um, and I think when you're in that space, uh, that's going to take a toll on you. That's going to de-energize you. That's going to stress you out. And you're never going to be able to perform at your highest level in that space. Whereas if you get yourself to a point where your career is actually complementing yourself, and for a lot of yogis, this is the case because how they love yoga and the more they do it or the more they teach it, the more they get to double down in, the, in terms of their learning. So essentially their career complements themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're in that kind of a space, 
there's no massive trapped energy. To be completely honest, the more you work, the more, as I said, it's complementing you and your pursuit of a greater sense of self. And that's where you start to unearth a, an energy, a vibrancy for what you do that essentially is the competitive edge above all else. That's how you double down in your mm. career path. That's how you hone out what you're doing. Um, so uh, I probably got a little bit lost in that train of thought. I, 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 I um, know what I love what you said there is um, you. Okay. Well, firstly, if you follow something, if you're following like a goal, I think that, that actually I read about this recently in the chat, chat called Derek Mills. He has a book called, I think it's called The One Minute or The Ten Second Philosophy. And he talks about not having a goal, but more so everyday setting standards because mm. your goal is a deferred happiness plan. Yeah. And I have realized now that, you know, sometimes I'll speak to Rach and I'll say, like, I'm doing X, Y, Z. I, I have these services that I'm now offering and this is my type lifestyle. And she's like, you've done really well, you know, like as in you've so, so far. Um, and I don't ever stop and think that because for me, anything that I want and then I manage to work for it and get and not get it, but it'd be in that situation. I don't really feel any different things, Jay. I don't feel, I don't no. feel like, all right, great. Now, now I can relax or now it's, I, so now I'm trying to change my um, philosophy to be more like every day I have a certain standards and um, it's a bit like if you want to um, lose weight, you know, what are you eating every morning? What, what are you, what's your activity levels like? And and that's your your standards as opposed to just writing up. I want I want this goal. Um, so the, so setting standards is one. The other thing you said, which I, I really liked, was um, about if you're doing something not for the money, but because you have this burning desire to do it and you it lights your fire, then that's going to be your competitive edge because it, it people can feel it off you. Like I could I could in just to give a very practical example, I could do a handstand workshop probably every month and I'd make a really good living. Yeah. But it doesn't excite me. Mm. It doesn't it, like I love a handstand here and there. That's fantastic. But there's so much more to life, and uh, and I know that in that transition period of being the kind of handstand arm balance yoga teacher to being like the teacher trainer, I know there's going to be moments where I'm like I've made a big mistake here because no one really understands what I'm doing. I don't really understand like what the value I offer. But to kind of, as you said, to relax and go through that process and understand that if you're excited about it and you think it's valuable and it would have been valuable for you, then surely it's going to be valuable for other people. I think when, like in business, in all areas of business, people buy from people. And if somebody in their career path is just following, following money and they're not following their heart, that takes a toll. It starts to fade them. It starts to jade them. It starts to wear on them, de-energize them. And if people work with people, it's very hard to connect with that. To be honest, we're all familiar with somebody that, that is a little bit burnt out, that has lost a love for what they're doing. And it reflects itself in their career very quickly. Whereas the opposite, um, which is exactly going back to you know, my, my point when we first started, is if you're following your heart and the more you do, the more it helps you show up for who you are, that radiates out. And again, if people work with people, it's impossible not to connect with that. Mm. Um, now, you skipped past a, a point when you talked about goal setting and you said, you know, d a, a deferred, um, deferred fulfillment. Uh, for me, that's something, that's one of the biggest uh, kind of things is to... 
a lot of the time people think business coaching or life coaching and they think, okay, goal setting. And for me, I actually think I, you touched on a point that I think should be made all the more clear is that actually goals uh, can undermine a huge amount of fulfillment, a huge amount of happiness. Um, now, they do help bring uh, focus. Uh, but I think, I, I, think <clears throat> I think for me anyway, what I found is that a lot of my, a lot of my career was uh, built around goals. And so I sacrificed mm-hmm. today um, for tomorrow. The end would always justify the means, but the only unfortunate thing is that the end never came. <laughs> and I, I found myself in a position whereby I was really living some fairly intense day, <clears throat> days uh, focused towards whatever goal I had in mind. Uh, and the thing I came to realize is that when you have a bad day, it's all the easier to have a worse day tomorrow and all the harder to have a better day tomorrow. Um, but, so obviously if I'm sacrificing today for tomorrow, I have a fairly tough day because tomorrow will be great. But obviously tomorrow never comes and you start making your days tougher and tougher and tougher and they start getting worse and worse and worse. And again, you find yourself in a position where you're de-energized, burnt out. So your message that you just gave there, I think is really, really important and re- really, really key is that you just focus in on today. You make today the best day it can. For whatever work opportunities come up, you show up as well as you can. And chances are, if you do that, you will set yourself up for success that little bit easier tomorrow. Mm. And so if you show up tomorrow the same way you did today, you'll actually end up that little bit better off. Mm -hmm. And results for me, I really believe they compound over time. Mm -hmm. And so if you follow that path, I lay you a bet, you'll end up in a far, far better off position than whatever goals you may have set. Mm -hmm. And so that's a key thing. It's just, as I said, step one, helping people slow down so they can actually take a proper look at what's going on, what they're liking, what they're not. Uh, And then just be present be present in your day, show up as best as you can, set yourself up to be that little bit better off tomorrow. And if you have faith in that, well, in a couple of weeks, sorry, days, weeks, months time, as I said, I firmly believe people show up in a whole better off place than whatever goals they set. Because mm-hmm. the fun- funny thing about goals is oftentimes they, they come at a time when, when you've been down. You know, you've had a period of a rough week or a rough month and you're like, I'm going to turn this time around and I'm going to set some goals. And so oftentimes, if you look at where goals are set, they're set from a low point. Um, and, and I think that mm, in itself that's is, a great point. Is, is really, yeah. really interesting. So set from a low point, they so are. Yeah. You, yeah, I mean, it's like Christmas time. Let's say you're like, right, sod it, I'm going to eat X, Y, Z, because by New Year, I'm going to, uh, you know, um, do the opposite and like cleanse myself, whatever. And that And that's fine. But to understand that, like, if you live your life like that, it's 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 not because you're saying that, um, as you said, they're coming from a low point as as opposed to, um, you know, when I mentioned standards before, I mean, like standards in life as well, though, you know, like in the morning times now, like I'll, uh, um, I've got to stop saying like, that's another standard. I was just about to say, I really like this tea. This is the first time I've ever had n- nettle tea. So but thank you, you very much. You're welcome. At, at least you're using like in the right context. Um, nettle tea is, Rach bought us nettle tea because it's supposed to be good for third trimester. Oof. All right, Jay. Okay. okay. And uh, raspberry leaf is also good for contractions. Wow. So I thought we'd go for the nettle tea because <laughs> that's uh, suitable for men as well. Um, but um, actually, words like like <laughs> are quite important to um 
reduce in your language. Uh, I, I'm really interested in communication, and and I think that as you, someone as a podcast, the University of Life podcast, it's uh, you realize, especially when you listen back, your economy of words, mm. and also you listen to your guests and you realize their economy of words, and how sometimes you can make yourself sound quite weak. Mm. Uh, it's it's a really it's a really interesting thing. I didn't. Sorry, I did an interview with somebody yesterday and um, they blew my mind. And as I listen back to the interview, I can actually hear me just being like, uh, <laughs> uh, and then when, when, when the kind of conversation flows in which way for me to, to come in or perhaps say something smart or perhaps ask a follow-up question, I'm just like, uh, and yeah, podcasting is a really interesting thing because it, it teaches you a lot about you know how you show up in conversations how you communicate but also then when you go to publish uh, like for me i know that piece there's huge value in what she says i look like a tool and it's a very interesting <laughs> confidence kind of thing of well i'm going to publish that but there is a bit of vulnerability in that but uh i i, I think people like like i i appreciate what you're saying in terms of you say you you've caught that you say like too much but we're all human. And I think people, again, people connect with people. And so when people are overly polished, it's actually a little bit detractive. <laughs> Whereas when people are, they have obvious issues. Um, you can't but appreciate them and connect with them because you see parts of yourself in them. I suppose it's just being conscious of it. There's, a, I'm really, really interested in, in communication. And I, when I started the podcast, I thought to myself, and actually, this is something I want to talk to you about, about fear setting. Oh, yeah. Right? If you, you heard of this concept. So, so, so I'll get to fear setting, fear setting in one second, and, I'm, and I want to ask you about that as well. But when I started a podcast, uh, initially the goal, the goal, all right, was I'm going to start a podcast. Then it just didn't happen. Months, months went by. I, I didn't, I kind of, I was procrastinating about it and putting it off and hitting many, many roadblocks. And then I discovered this thing called fear setting by Tim Ferriss. I mean, it comes from Stoic philosophy, so it's before Tim, but he made it, he popularized it. And the fear setting is, what if I X? So what if I start a podcast, which we both have and which you're listening to right now? <laughs> um, what if I do this? And the fear behind that, what's what's could happen? Okay, what could happen is I, no one listens to it and eventually I stop it. Okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? I say something embarrassing and it's on the internet forever and I can never take it back. That's the worst case scenario. Then what is the worst thing to happen of inaction? So not the action, what's the bad thing that could happen if you don't start the podcast? Well, I'll never, I'll always be the person and be like, oh, I was gonna start a podcast once, or uh, you're gonna be in the same situation that you are. And what I realized, and then I wrote this, I wrote down all this stuff, and one of the things I, I wrote down was, it's gonna make me a much better communicator. Mm. And ultimately, as a teacher, you're, you're, you're a professional communicator. So now I do audio meditations as well. So I'm sitting here and I'm recording. And if I make a mistake, I you know, do a clap and redo it, you know, if audio editing. And I listen back to myself and the language I use and the inflections I use. I'm like, wow, I've got so much to learn in this area. And I'm so glad I'm doing these audio meditations, which is um, for my platform. I'm doing my podcast, which is good for I, I enjoy doing it for also but publicity but at the same time if the worst case scenario no one wants to listen to them or no one wants to buy my audio meditations i'm getting better at communicating i'm recording myself 
Yeah, so that that for me is like for me when it came to setting up a podcast, I thought to myself, I love meeting people. I I actually on a on a kind of a day to day basis, I'll always try and have a meeting with somebody new, so I can sit down, ask them, you know, about what they do, uh, how they got to where they are, and the kind of key lessons they learned along the way. So that that's the theme for the University of Life, and that's something I do every day anyway. And I felt that if I put a bit of a framework on it, uh, I could perhaps reach out um, to more and more people off the back of that. And they'd be much more, they'd be all the more interested to connect. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, I think it's really important that, uh, again, there's like selfishness and self-centeredness. They're seen negatively. But for me, with that podcast, I see it as a very selfish pursuit and a very self-centered pursuit. Um, I love meeting people love sitting down with them love learning uh, from them Um, I framed it as a podcast which was a really good excuse to reach out to people and have them all the more positive to to do it Um, I I publish it um, and to be fair that almost sets up the next interview or anything but I'm thinking very present and I think it very very personally I'm not thinking about the consequences or anything I'm just thinking this is something I love doing and if I put it into this framework it'll allow me do it all the more and so I am, I, I love doing these and I'm doing them as me, uh, as much as I can. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's complementing my learning. It's obviously pushing communication levels, which is really, really key. Um, but the really, really nice thing is as a byproduct of me following that, it's serving a greater good in terms of sharing it out and giving people some, some knowledge and giving some uh, people some, um, some learnings from it. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think sometimes when people are thinking career orientated, uh, they think third party first think what can I do for everybody else mm. um, and they deprioritize themselves but in deprioritizing themselves sometimes they can find themselves in very de-energizing paths whereas if they just thought a little bit more self-centeredly and they think okay what can I do for me that in developing me others will be- benefit from if they put the other secondary kind of like you know on a plane it's put your put your mask on in an emergency for yourself first then your babies or your kids I actually think if people th- thought a little bit more self-centeredly when it came to their careers, uh, wouldn't they show up and perform a hell of a lot better in their careers? But everybody else would do a lot, lot better as a result of that. Mm. Do you get what I'm going Absolutely, from? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and there's there's all these really kind of simple, um, simple kind of learnings I'm taking from. But but the podcast for me has been, um, I, I I I I actually created it in like the University of Life, and I started hosting events with it first, and then conferences, and then I. I simplified it right down to a podcast and it's one of those things I, I probably had to go um well it's one of those things since I've done I'm, I've kind of been kicking myself and going oh I should have done this a lot lot sooner because <laughs> I, I really 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 enjoy it now yeah I'm mean, even like the say producing content as well it makes you realize that you can be creative and you don't always need to, I mean I remember you I mean you can talk about this I'd like to talk about this as well but you're saying how um 10 years ago you know you had a whole team of people doing stuff and you had even when you started the podcast you had video and all that type of stuff and now it's just you right yeah 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 <laughs> it, it now so for me i think it can be very easy um to have an idea for what you want to do and and then you think okay well if i'm going to do that i need this equipment i need to work with that specialist and i need to work with that other person and suddenly for whatever it is that you want to do it becomes dependent on a number of other third parties and a number of investments as well Mm. Uh, and so what i do a lot of the time with people when they're following an entrepreneurial path is try and boil whatever it is that they want to do into the smallest most accessibly easily get going 
thing or iteration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, with the with the podcast, I spent a lot of time looking into uh, what is the easiest way I can do this. What's the simplest piece of equipment? What's the simplest way of producing? What's the simple simplest way of publishing? Um, and in in putting a lot of time and effort into that so that's th- that that's where kind of the first month or two no interviews but just planning how i could do it as simple as possibly uh, as possible that's where a lot of the time went and that for me has been brilliant now because the podcast is so light to produce mm. um, i can do it all now myself which i'm, I'm del- delighted i'm not reliant on anybody else and so i am essentially the master of my faith in, mm-hmm. uh, f- fate in that one which I think is is really really key, um, and it's it's something that I think people should be really really conscious of whenever they go to do something that they love, that they don't anchor the progress of that on the shoulders of others, and mm-hmm. um, because suddenly for whatever it is that they love doing, they can't do it because somebody else has got another priority and somebody else has got another priority, and there's a cost associated. Whereas for me now to do a podcast, there's no cost anymore. There's there's just my time and hell. I'm really really enjoying it. Remember, I'm using it to actually meet 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 all these people that I really want to meet. Um, so there's no barriers to entry. Um, and that I think it, it, say in in your space in the yoga space, that's been really interesting in terms of COVID. That a lot of, for example, like a lot of a lot of yoga teachers thought I need a studio, and now they're realizing no, actually I can go on to I can go through through Instagram in the simplest fashion I can go through Instagram I can do Instagram lives and I can do donations and I can set up a really really simple donation pla- uh, portal and I can work in that fashion or else the key the key word there Jay is need when you're operating from a place of fear and you need other things other, other parties around you you're you're starting off on the wrong foot you end up in negotiations where you're you're selling yourself short and you're mm. getting into agreements that you're not happy with and eventually they come to an end because you just you're just coming into a class or a workshop or a t- training where you're like i'm i uh I, I i started this on the wrong footing but if you realize that you can do everything yourself right and then you can choose to partner with people that's the difference is like instead of it being oh please give me this opportunity uh you you can approach it from let's work together. I mean, for example, I'm going to start doing um, how to kind of coaching videos and all of this skill I'm learning Brilliant. about. By the way, I'm delighted to hear that. That's great. <laughs> like, but all this stuff about using three cameras and learn how to edit three cameras and all this, and all of that, I can now use f- for the coaching videos. So mm-hmm. if uh, if I make a mistake and I don't do it in one take, I can just chop to the other camera. You know, that's that's how it goes when you use, you can use multicam, but. And I'm, I'm not relying upon someone else. Like when I first, when I started my first business, which failed miserably, and I lost like 30 grand with my life savings, essentially. I uh, remember I paid a guy to do my website. I didn't know about Squarespace. This is only like six years ago. Mm. Uh, paid a guy to do my website. And I wanted to get one thing changed, like a color or a font. And I had to email him about it. And he'd say, oh, that's an extra whatever to change that. Obviously now I can use Squarespace. And everything I do, I, I, I don't outsource anything. And I plan to do, uh, I decided yesterday, my own app as well and develop it myself. And I plan to write my own book. You know, like these are all things you can do by yourself. But sometimes you worry that it's not going to be the best app. It's not going to be the best website or the best book. And that's crippling uh, because you have that uh, fear. 
Yeah, God, there's, <laughs> there's, it's like, so Zuckerberg had this great quote when he was really going through a fast build with Facebook. He said, done is better than perfect. Yes, brilliant. And it's it's so key. And that that, that want for things to be perfect uh, up front is an impossibility because the fact of the matter is, is that we learn um, through action. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, anybody looking for things to be perfect up front, they just end up paralyzing whatever it is that they want to do. Mm. Um, that, learn through action. That's so good. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like. Look, I, I, sorry, sure. I want to ask you about key person of influence, because this is a book that <laughs> has been made the rounds and yeah, it eventually yeah, yeah. came to me. And, uh, I'm delighted. Daniel Priestley, he's amazing. Yes, it's phenomenal. But what there's like a five steps becoming a so a key person of influence is someone who's known, liked, um, and trusted in the industry. The, the the person whose name comes. Go back to the start of the conversation within their specific niche. Oh, within their specific niche, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The, the first real key point of it is yeah, great. finding your niche, finding your space, finding your area of the market that you can really connect with. Mm. Um, yeah, that 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 book. What I love is. What you're touching on across the board is that everything's accessible now. You know, if you want to host an event, there's Eventbrite. If you want to put yourself out there, there's Instagram. If you want to do a, a, a private talk or a webinar, there's Zoom. Um, if you want to complement that on Instagram, ads are really easy. If you want to create ca- content, you've got Canva. Uh, there is. <laughs> if you want to create a website, there's Squarespace. And these are all apps or systems that are made so user-friendly that a novice can jump on, use it. And if you've got an area of blockage, there's YouTube. You just ask it a question and somebody will have present will present you with an answer. And now is yeah, now is a really beautiful time where all the knowledge is out there. You just have to look for it. Mm-hmm. And what Daniel Priestley has done in Key Person of Influence is beautifully brought it all together for anybody in the service space. Um, on the online learning space um, to essentially follow a step-by-step guide to put themselves out there and put themselves out there in the efficient fashion because unfortunately for a lot of people they can find themselves um, doing a lot of stuff that perhaps doesn't make efficient or economic sense. Um, So there is an important thing to look at whenever you go to do something um, is does this make, will this provide me an efficient return when compared with other things that I could do to get me to where I want to go? Uh, and that's an important question because there is, as much as, much as there's so much availability to do so much, um, does it add up? Does it make sense? It, it Does it align with your passions, your values, your wants? And will it take you to wherever it is that you want to go mm. um, efficiently versus other mediums? Mm. That's an interesting one. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm yapping away. Back to key person of influence. No, no, no. no. I think that's really important because you are... It's great when people say things like, oh, I'm my own boss and that's fantastic. But what kind of boss are you <laughs> to yourself? Mm. You know, are you, I, I, when I used to work for a, uh, um, when I used to work for a company, they would say, what are you working on right now? And they'd really micromanage you and be like, is that the best thing to be doing right now at this time? And they'd be so specific about how they approach their day and how they structured um, what the staff were doing. And I used to resent it a little bit to think like, oh God, just let me do what I want. But in another way, uh, they understood what makes, uh, not necessarily a productive day, but an effective day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I and like, for example, yesterday I said to myself, right, I want to get X, Y, and Z done for it t- today for it to be a day that I'm happy with. And But there is a fine line between that and being a slave driver as a, bo- <laughs> as, as a boss, you know. Um, it's it's a fine it's again it's that comes back to that the balance of yoga to say that if you go onto your mat 
and you take it easy, are you benefit? Are you helping yourself? Or at the same time, if you go and punish yourself, are you? There should be uh, somewhere in between. Yeah, and, and and look, that changes every day. You know yourself. Sometimes you be you be served best by a slow practice, and other times you need a whole totally different practice. Yeah. Um, and and business is somewhat similar as well. And sometimes the hardest thing for people to recognize is actually that uh, today isn't a day for doing. Today is a day for planning. Like a lot of the time when people get into business, they think that business is doing, and business mm-hmm. isn't doing. Uh, business is is planning, is researching, is trialing, is testing is strategizing, is doing all that first uh, until ultimately it creates this very, very, very simple, accessible roadmap in terms of what to do to be successful. Mm. Um, And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people, as I said, they get distracted by the doing, they jump in, they do one thing, it creates a bit of a problem and they have to do a next thing and they end up following their dues. Whereas in actual fact, as I said, if so- sometimes people took that journey at the start that little bit slower, plan things out, did the research, did the did the the trial, the testing, the experimenting, the strategizing, um, it may seem slow, um, but then they take off like an absolute rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you are talking about uh, coaching, you looking at your website, it's a, it's holistic business coaching, and you use words like uh, alignment. Uh, entrepreneur or uh, aligning entrepreneurship or something like this uh, wh- how, wh- how do you differentiate between being a business coach and being a holistic business coach I, really simple holistic is all encompassing so a lot, of, a lot of the time if you hear of business coaches they'll just look at business they'll just look at career but what anybody i would imagine in your audience knows is that everything is interconnected uh, and so it's impossible to actually look at how somebody shows up in their career without showing how seeing how somebody shows up in their life as a whole and how we show up in our, well, like people like to segment things and say our personal life and our private life uh, and our professional life. But we all know that uh, how we are and the issues that we have in our personal lives carry themselves and reflect themselves in our professional lives. So the easiest way of describing that is probably a lot of people are familiar with the term life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, well, perhaps it is a life coach, um, but it's just for more business orientated types. Um, but perhaps they wouldn't be too open to connecting with a life coach. <laughs> because it, it sounds too obscure. Well, for me, I'm a massive believer. I've got huge benefit from from yoga. I've got huge benefit from a lot of the holistic therapies and a lot of the holistic pursuits that I've gone on and followed. Um, uh, but for a lot of people, those are intimidating. Um, for a lot of people, they're scared of them. Um, or they don't know what to think. Or they ru- they want to run a mile from them. Um, so perhaps in me uh, saying holistic bu- business coach, I'm camouflaging a bit of that therapy <laughs> and introducing it to to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs. Put it this way: think if the uh, if the world's top entrepreneurs all did yoga, how different would the world be? Mm-hmm. If they all meditated and properly meditated, not doing ten minutes off the back of some app, how different would the world be? Yeah. Um, how about Steve Jobs? He was a big yogi. Uh, <laughs> mind you, he was supposed to be a right bastard to his, yeah, his yeah, kids. Yeah. But <laughs> he's he's interesting. I lo- like a lot of his um a lot of his lines are amazing. A lot of his little like the video snippets you'll find online are incredible. Um but what I like is like Steve Jobs was very comfortable to say, took acid, complimented me in business incredibly, and paved the way for people to take a little bit more of a colourful look and approach. Um to substances and how perhaps they might not poison your mind but actually in fact really really complement your mind and complement mm. a working environment um yeah you know, th- th- i think every entrepreneur has their little snippet that you can take 
um, and that you can bring value from. Um, but I, I think there's there's an unfortunate thing. They say nothing will shape you more than your environment. Mm. And the unfortunate thing about our environments is that it's all the time normalizing us. But if we go back to what I first said, which is that people work with people. Well, if you're being normalized, there's nothing to work with because you're just like everybody else. Mm. So the most important thing is getting that confidence to be yourself and pursue yourself. And how when you are yourself, well, that will stand out like nothing else mm. because people work with people. And if everybody else is being normalized, you stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Somebody like Steve Jobs, where so that so many people look up to, if they go, you know what, Jesus, Steve, you took acid. Okay, perfect. <laughs> That's something a little bit different. Steve is also a chronic minimalist. So in his house, he literally, his partner came over and saw that all he had was a lampshade in his living room. And he was like, well, that's the only thing I've settled on for the house right now. That's the only thing I'm ha happy with. That's different. I, 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 I'm a massive believer that if people actually wore their oddities and differences on their fronts, we'd all be a much more relaxed, um, yeah, a better, uh, better world. And um, because we'd realize we're not that weird mm. uh, because we are all really weird. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of that, um, it is important to say, I know I said he was a bastard there as a father, but at the same time, you could look at Steve Jobs and be inspired for him. Maybe you don't take parenting, parenting tips from him, but you, he's not the person to go to for fatherhood tips. But but for business tips, design, what I like about Steve Jobs, one of the things um, I really find fascinating is he didn't wait for people to tell him what they wanted. He decided this is what I think is cool, uh, is uh, exciting, and then people uh, followed. And, and that's that's actually, um, I think it might be in Key Personal Influence. Is it in Key Personal Influence? Where it talks about, um, I think it might, I'm not sure, but saying how, no, it isn't, isn't it? Sorry, it's something I read where it's like, the customer is always right unless they're wrong. And this is like, if you're a, a yin teacher train, if you're a yin teacher and you do cacao ceremonies and you do women's circles and they're your three things, that's your niche. And then a student says to you, oh, would you ever do a handstand workshop? And you feel like I want to please them and I might be missing out on something there if I don't do do that. But what you're doing then is you're, you're moving out of that niche, what you specialized in, because you're trying to please everyone. And when you try to please everyone, you please no one. Mm -hmm. So this is, it doesn't sound like a very uh, popular thing to say, but the customer isn't always right no, no, for you. Is, this is going back to the very first message that I was saying, that it's really, really important <coughs> that what you're doing ha has a, a self-prioritized fashion to it. Yes, exactly. And that other people will benefit as a result. So the fact of the matter is, is you can't cater to everybody. If you try that, you'll only ever get to a certain level of expertise and you'll find yourself literally running around in a circle at the bottom end of the market. Mm. You have to follow your heart. They say at the most connected self that something erupts inside you and screams and sings and reflects itself out. That's in the connected self of any yogi that they, they take time to slow down, to really connect into themselves. Suddenly, so, suddenly something artistic, something creative, something beautiful will start singing deep from within. And it's important that they follow that and that they share that. That I think is is what living is all about, is sharing what's deep in your heart. Mm -hmm. And and that's what will inspire. Um, and you'll never get to that place if you're constantly pandering to what somebody else wants and somebody else wants and somebody else wants. Yeah. And as I said, if you're doing that, you'll never get that sense of fulfillment, that sense of heartfulness that we all need and what living is all really essentially about. Mm. Um, so I think it's really important uh, that people in their careers get to the point where they can say to somebody, no, 
I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's not me. No. But if you're looking for handstands, I know a guy yeah. who does handstands <laughs> once a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, Well, it, it actually, and this is actually from key per- personal influence, is what you can do in that situation is you can say, yeah, I don't do them, but I'm doing a retreat with someone who does do them. And that's when you can partner with people. And this is this is, comes back to the thing of um, what where what place are you coming from? Are you coming from a place where I have a, a valuable offering and I do have really high standards. I can do a lot of things myself. I'm very creative. This is my niche. I'm excited about it. And I have uh, people that, um, uh, an audience, as it were. And once you have that, then p- other people that also are in that situation are going to want to partner with you Mm. and there you're coming at it as we are partners you're not the employee employer um and you're going to find that your life and how you value yourself and how those relationships evolve is a lot more fulfilling than oh i'm just going from studio to studio trying to survive essentially it's a beautiful thing when you can zone in on what it is that you love doing and chances are when you get to that point you'll find yourself in a in a circle amongst others that love doing what they're doing and that are complementary to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's a really nice thing when somebody says it comes to you and says, hey, I'd love to engage with you for this, can I? And you say, well, actually, that's not what I do, but I know somebody who's expert at that and I'd love to refer you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for me, I, I'm a big believer that people should be solo entrepreneurs, um, that they should, they, should, they should go out into the world and uh, follow a career for themselves. Because uh, I also uh, I, I I often think that when people do things in partnership, a lot of compromises kick in, mm. um, and that can be quite detractive or quite de-energizing. Whereas when people follow what it is that they want deep inside, and they go out on a journey on the, their own without compromise. Um, it, it's there is a lonely part to it, but as I said, if you do that, you often find yourself surrounded by others that are doing similar in varying fields, varying but complementing fields, mm. and very soon you can have a complementing network where you're all referring each other to business, you're mm. all sharing each other kind of lessons, key learnings, and you're all essentially accelerating each other's careers, and that's a far more beneficial working environment than, for example, like if you're all working together and create one big studio. Well, in fact, the matter is, I guarantee if you end up in that situation, you'll end up in a load of bitching and a load of drama and a load of God knows what, and you'll become really distracted. Whereas actually, if there's a much, much softer complementing, sorry, softer relationship, it'll be far more complementing. And actually, this idea of solo entrepreneur is not a new one because before the Industrial Revolution, uh, before there were factories and we had to take trains to factories, and actually this is where um, me and Rachel talk about this today from the book Sapiens, um, which is a book about the history of humankind, essentially. It said that you are... Um, so, yeah, before we the Industrial Revolution and we went to work in factories, we worked for ourselves. We were a, a shoemaker or a cobbler. You know, you were yeah. a candlestick maker, a baker, whatever the, that one nursery rhyme is. You brought this up with a book, and I'm about to answer it with another book. <laughs> but, but yeah, we are all entrepreneurs. Somebody looked at me a little while ago, and they go, oh, why, why do you only talk to entrepreneurs? And I was like, because everybody is an entrepreneur. Yeah, Everybody essentially is in charge of what they earn whether they're working out on their own or whether they're working in an organization. If they don't show up in that organization, they'll get demoted or get let go. If they do show up, they'll progress, they'll grow. And oftentimes, those types will break away and go out on their own. Essentially, we are all entrepreneurs. But what's happening right now is fantastically interesting because post-COVID, everybody's realizing that, look, we actually don't need to go into working environments. We can work remotely. 
Now, the next stage of that is that people won't be seen as working in terms of clocking in and clocking out in terms of hours. Things are going to move to a more productive, orientated uh, reward scheme, productivity. Because people are very quickly going to re- realign their values. They're going to be working from home. They're going to be in their home lives. They're going to be, you know, there's a much, much kind of more, I suppose, personally created environment and a personally stimulating environment. And do they want to sit in a room off of the side and clock in for eight hours doing work that they could do in two hours? Mm-hmm. No, they'll do the work for two hours and then they'll go out and they'll play with their family and they'll catch up with their friends and they'll engage with their communities. But if they can do the work that they're engaged with a company in, in two hours, perhaps they might complement that and do the same work for another company for another two hours and double their salary. Mm-hmm. Well, in actual fact, on that position, then they've moved from an employee to a strategic consultant. And in that, they're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So there's this book, it's the follow-up to Key Personal Influence, it's called Entrepreneur Revolution, which mm-hmm. is essentially right now about the the breaking apart of all the normal kind of the working norms, you know, the office, the checking in, checking out, working hours versus productivity. And so the splitting out and then essentially people asse- people building themselves up as individual entrepreneurs doing the same work for multiple companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a really, really interesting reset where we are, are going back to our pre-industrial revolution origins of all being entrepreneurs in our own right. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful is like, I, 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 I saw this in, um, I saw this in the middle of COVID when they let the, ba- the builders go back to work. And I looked in a lot of the builders' vans and there you could see the builder with their son or their daughter there in the vans with them going to the sites, learning the trade from them. And for me, I'm a massive believer in generational knowledge. I, I, I think we are missing out hugely in what we can learn from others, hence why I do the podcast, The University of Life. And I think there's some, something so beautiful about the way things were for thousands of years, where sons and daughters went with their parents to whatever they were doing, and they learned from them. And as they grew up, they took the reins, and they developed the businesses, and expertises grew and developed. Whereas now there's such a detachment between sons, daughters, and their parents because, hell, their parents are going off to work, their kids are going to crashes. they're not getting to learn from their parents, they're not getting to respect their parents for the people they are. To be fair, most parents only show up as parents, they don't show up as people. And this is a really, really, really interesting thing that kicked in and I think didn't serve the population because we missed out on generational knowledge that's passed down generation after generation after generation. And I think with the way things are going right now, I hope, I really wholeheartedly hope and believe that people will start to learn more from their parents. As pe- people start to work more from the home, kids will start to see their parents, not just as parents, but as professionals. And they'll respect what they're up to and they'll learn what they're up to. And now, more than ever, hopefully, that generational knowledge will start picking back in. And that's, I think, where really people start to evolve and expertise start to really, really develop. And I think, as I said, a lot of that has been missed out on us recently. Mm. Yeah, that is very interesting. Um Sorry, there's a lot in that point. There's a lot, yeah. I was talking to Rach about homeschooling our kids. We're due to have our first kid soon, but um, we plan to have maybe three kids. Hopefully that's what we would like. And to homeschool them. And then I looked into it uh, in quite a bit of detail. And I mean, obviously there are pros and cons. I think that the main thing that I am concerned about when going to school is just the, the the little amount that I'd see them, but then maybe when I have the kids, I <laughs> I want that that break, and I'm just I'm just concerned about uh, what type of school they'll go to, what they'll learn, how they how they learn. We plan to send them to um, educate together. 
Okay. Have you heard of that school? No. no, no. It's a chain of schools here. It's non-denomination, meaning that because uh, I was brought up a Catholic, Rachel was brought up a Jehovah's Witness, which I've never met one before. Until wow. I met Rachel, yeah. And um, does she knock on people's doors? <clears throat> she used to. She probably was not really saying like me wow. saying this, but she used to. Yeah, when she was younger with her, her mum. But um, so yeah, but she's. Uh, a re- would you say a reformed Jehovah's Witness? She's not that anymore. A reformed Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I'm a reformed Catholic, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but my point is, like, we we don't we we've only just decided that we're gonna um, celebrate Christmas with our kids. We were gonna do wow. no no Christmas. Can I say I I love the way you're actually thinking about all this stuff, because oftentimes, exactly as I said, nothing shapes us more than our environments, and a lot of people don't put thought into the very things that they do day to day. Yeah. And there's a great saying: if you want to be successful, look at what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. (laughs) I mean, but 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 these are things that you think about. um, You don't think about until you realize you're going to become a parent. For me, anyway, uh, Christmas. So Christmas time for me was a very exciting time, but. People, Jehovah worshippers, don't believe in Christmas or birthdays, so they don't celebrate any Easter, nothing like that. It's oh. yeah. Oh. So, um, but what I and we talk, we've debated about this back and forth about should we celebrate Christmas with our kids or not. Um, but then the downside of that is that the child will then go into school, will and everyone be talking about Christmas, and they're the only one they're left out. The upside of it is they're not hopefully not going to get sold into the commercialization of Christmas. But I think there's somewhere in between where we can be like, it's an exciting time. You can have the fantasy of Father Christmas. And I kind of looked at the camera there to be like letting out the bag. (laughs) I'm sure there's no one under 10 listening to this. But um, you can have that that fantasy of of the elves. and Is it elves? Santa's helpers? All that stuff, right? And also say, look... Uh, what you get people's and you can kind of is not important you know what the commercialization is not important um but in terms of like Christ, christian stuff like um baptizing and communion and confirmation mm. uh we're not gonna we're not gonna do any of that so so interesting are you are you are you um a child of god uh, I, I was in a, I was in a Jesuit boarding school for six years where we had our masses every day and all that. And to be honest, I, I think a lot of it was very, um, it was kind of funny because a lot of the priests were complete hypocrites um, in, in, our, in our school. And, uh, and I, I really came away from it where I didn't want to engage in any of the kind of faith off the back of it. I, I believe there's actual, there's a, there's, I believe God is within us all. Um, and oftentimes we're being uh, distracted from that. Um, and it's actually why I'm a massive, massive fan of yoga. And uh, because, as I said, yoga is all about connecting uh, with yourself and, and with that God within us all, uh, with that higher power, with that higher level of connection. Um, I can't help but see the, the, um, the disconnect um, in the faith that I, that I was brought up with. Um, and I, I can't help but, as I said, uh, see such, uh, such, a, uh, such a beauty in just connecting in with yourself. I think we all have an inner guidance system um, that the more we tune into, the more it really helps us live a more spiritual life. Mm. Um, but I, I, I think it's interesting what you were talking about in, ter- in terms of like, there are, there is magic in the historic catholic faith 
but I think a lot of it has been drowned out and a lot of it has been lost in translation. The various rites of passage, the various key moments in our life, um, like baptism, uh, connecting uh, connecting a child uh, with a guardian angel and welcome, welcome, welcoming them to the Catholic way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, the the funeral service where essentially you are engaged, telling that 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 guardian angel to take that person up to heaven and guide them on their way. And th- these are these are lost rites of passage that mm-hmm. nobody really understands anymore, or nobody really appreciates anymore. And I th- I think are really um, I, I th- there's a beautiful thing that I w- I was only chatting with somebody yesterday about. It's that when sometimes when things are done um, because they're scheduled. Uh, because bec- you know they're 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 overly ritualized, they start to lose their depth, their meaning. So let's say, for example, sake a yoga session where somebody just comes in and does a hundred feckin' sun salutations. You tune out, and I know there's the part where you're meant to tune out of the movement, but there's also real value in terms of being present and being slow, um, and actually really connecting in with every movement and the the variances in movements help you connect in and stay present rather than zoning out mm-hmm. and i think it's very true with a lot of the um like because people just went to mass every sunday and that's the thing that they did uh, they lost their connection with what it was that they were doing mm-hmm. they were taking a little bit of time out every week to reflect on the week past mm-hmm. to reflect on their key values in which they want to live with and which they want to move forward and so th- there is real beauty in in a, a lot of the the key moments and the key rites of passage, um, and so it's interesting for me looking at yourself and saying, okay, right, well, you're going to take them out, and it, to be uh, it, to be honest, I could completely see why you're taking them out because what value do they serve? It's just a lot of people. Uh, for a lot of people, it's just them going through the motions. They're not present. They're mm-hmm. not engaged. There's no va- there's no energy coming from it. Um, but what do you replace them with, and how do you bring energy to those that you repla- those replacements? Um, yeah i mean i think ritual is important and i what i like about those communion confirmation and baptism is that you are or christening is that you are coming together with your family that's that's really nice and it marks a moment in time and that's what i love about christmas is that it says another year's past um as John said and what have you done <laughs> you know um and i think that is nice but it's uh, what i i'm just very conscious of is this kind of authoritarian or this um kind of overseeing uh, figure that tells you that you kind of you're you were born bad and you got to spend your life on your knees uh, begging forgiveness and that you can essentially uh, eventually be good but it's up to them and, and kev, I, kev you should beat yourself every day <laughs> for your sins <laughs> yeah no 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 no. that that that, that must be kind of contradictory we're here for a reason we're here to live mm. we're here to enjoy and that's so important that we do that and to not do that it, i would believe is a sin in itself mm. can i ask you jay actually um how do you what's your f- philosophy behind business because i i i know i'm just kind of a slightly loaded question but i um I'm very conscious of what I'm t- kind of t- not turning into, but I'm like I'm a yoga teacher, right? And then to talk about business seems like the two don't gel. But uh, ha- have you got a philosophy about a business that maybe like could uh, make it more 
easy to digest for for yogis <laughs> yeah well i i think a lot of the time people um this actually came up for me a little while ago and i had to do a lot of work on it myself to kind of get my head around it um so when i created fresh resolutions um i told everyone it was a passion project it's this event at the start of the year it's generally the first day or two of the year to help complement people in their pursuit of a better self in their year ahead um, so there's talks on everything from love relationships money career um health wellness nutrition you name it mm-hmm. and i uh, when i engaged with everybody i said look it's a passion project we're just covering the cost there's no money in it um it's it's a passion project and um anyway it, that's the way i did it for a little while um when i thought about that i said everyone's like okay what do i mean when i'm saying a passion project i'm saying this is the thing that i love doing I love that event. I think it's something that I love doing for myself because I get a lot of knowledge from the speakers and I get a lot of buzz off bringing that kind of community together. And I am, um, and obviously the good that it does for everybody else. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, it, it, you're, you're not charging. No, 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 it's, it's to break even because it's a passion project because I want it to be good. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. all right, okay. So if you turn that in reverse, and sometimes looking at things in reverse is a really good way to make a point. So mm. if we look at that in reverse, does that mean that you should only make money by doing bad things for people when you're only ripping people off? And uh, and so when I sat into that, actually the progress of that as an event um, was stemmed because I, was, I wasn't treating it as, as a business. There wasn't the profit to bring in the team to complement, to grow it. Um, but if I had treated it like a business, um, mm. if I had actually valued the value it was bringing people and increased the price, uh, I, I could grow it and grow it and grow it. And so for me, um, that point is probably a bit blurry because I'm sharing something, some, something from myself. But for what, if for anybody, um, I would encourage them, one, as I said, to, to when it comes to doing work, is make sure that whatever it is is in alignment with who you are, your values, your core beliefs. Um, and that in doing that work, it complements all that. It makes you a better you. It helps you show up as a better self. Mm. Um, because that in itself will give you a competitive edge over and above everybody else that will help guide you on your way to wherever it is that you might want for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's step one, really, really important. Step two is actually recognize the value that you're putting out. Um, you know, if you're giving value, um, look at that. Look at the impact that that, that will bring. Uh, and what is that worth to that person mm-hmm. if they get it? And what is it not worth? And what's the cost of not getting that for somebody else? Mm-hmm. Well, therein lies your value or your price. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, in terms of business, it is so important that what you do, um, as I said, is in alignment with who you are. Uh, and that it is so important that you recognize the value that you're bringing people and charge appropriately. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you don't, you'll run out of momentum. You won't be able to fuel yourself. And I, I, I think it oftentimes a lot of people in the most positive spaces don't recognize that enough, don't charge enough. Uh, I, and they, they rub it off and they say, it's, oh, no, it's fine. You know, I'm doing good for others. Well, people, if they respect what it is that you're doing and the value that they're giving, they will have no issue whatsoever in paying uh, a fair price for mm. it. Um, and unfair prices breed people taking the piss. Mm. Uh, and so it's so important that people price appropriately one in terms of respect but two in 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 terms of actually motivating you yourself to keep growing and keep reaching a wider audience Mm. because money is the fuel of business and is the fuel of progress 
and, and so the more you earn it, the more you build up, the more you will be able to reach and the more you will be able to positively impact with whatever great value that it is that you have to give. Um, so I, I feel it's really, really important that people take themselves very seriously, especially in the wellness space. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take themselves seriously in, in terms of you know how they pick their careers, A, and then B, how they feel their careers in terms of financially. Mm-hmm. And the finance, financing of that dictates the respect people will have it and t- dictates essentially the progression that they can go in their careers. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, if, you're, if you've got this amazing value to share with the world and this incredible impact that you can bring, but, you know, you can't afford food, you can't afford to live, well screw you actually because in not taking your business seriously you are doing the world a disservice because if you were there to reach the world we would all be better off because of you mm. so that's good jay okay hey, <laughs> jay any closing words i mean that we, i think we could finish on that that was that was so good, that was so good. Uh, <laughs> look i'm just delighted it's uh, i i actually i um i came across your your podcast in uh january when i was stalking somebody and uh, I, I, I really, as I said, I've really liked it and followed it. So I really appreciate getting to getting to speak and engage with you guys. And um, and look, if anybody wants to reach out, I'm highly accessible on Instagram at just at Jamie White. Um, but no, I'm just delighted. So thank you very much for the opportunity to come in and chat. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes, or maybe share and tell a friend. If you'd like to get in touch, suggest and recommend the guest why not? I'd love to hear from you. If you would like to do yoga online, there's many options out there. Loads of really great teachers. Or you could do yoga with me. (laughs) If you're interested in what is doing a yoga class like with me or enjoying an audio meditation, I'm offering a free week's trial on my membership platform. Just go to kevinboyyoga.ie forward slash membership and try it out. Until next week, thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye.